1: Kerala's using some sophisticated code against diplomatic and defense industry targets. Our mine hackers use DNS poisoning against WikiLeaks, but WikiLeaks opens up Vault 7 anyway. This week, it's Angel Fire, accused U.S. intelligence community leaker Reality Winner wants her initial statements to investigators suppressed at trial. House of Cards leak stories and other material related to the TV show, a quick patching update, insecure APIs take a toll on Instagram and the FCC, and what's up with Rick and Morty. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, August 31st, 2017. Turla, the Russian espionage group that's known to have been active for the better part of two decades, has continued its cyber-collection efforts this summer. ESET researchers have more on the group's technique, publishing an assessment of a second backdoor they've discovered in its toolkit. They call it Gazer, and it's a second-stage backdoor installed once the first stage, called Skipper, is in and open. Kaspersky Lab has also been tracking Turla, They've referred to the attacks involving Gazer as White Bear, so don't let the differences in nomenclature confuse you. Gazer's been around for a while, making its appearance, it seems, in 2016. ESET thinks it's likely that Turla will develop a successor backdoor now that Gazer has been detected and linked back to the espionage group. Turla doesn't use much repurposed commodity malware. Gazer, like most of the other tools in Turla's kit, was designed with care and sophistication by a well-resourced team. The backdoor's command and control mechanisms are interesting. As ESET says in their report, Gazer can receive encrypted tasks from a CNC server, which can be executed either by the infected machine or by another machine on the network. It also uses an encrypted container to store its components. Its list of command and control servers is embedded— They're all legitimate but compromised websites, most of them based on WordPress, that serve as a first-layer proxy. Turla has tended to concentrate on the Middle East, Eastern Europe, and what Russia calls the Near Abroad, former Soviet republics in Russia's backyard. Its latest operations have tended to follow this pattern, although some South American targets appear to have been serviced as well. Diplomatic missions, in its reasons of interest, have long received Turla's ministrations, but it's recently shown an increased interest in the defense and aerospace sector. WikiLeaks's site was attacked and defaced earlier this morning by OurMine, the Saudi-based hackers whose public stance is at their gray-hat pen testers, freelancing into vulnerable sites for the general good. This time, however, the defacement indicates its personal, an instance of long-festering bad blood between OurMine and WikiLeaks. Our mine has gone after WikiLeaks at least twice before and the text of the defacement page also alludes to a long-standing beef our mine has had with Anonymous. It appears that WikiLeaks's servers themselves weren't compromised, which has led Silicon Republic and others to sniff that this wasn't a real hack at all. Instead, they accomplished their work through DNS poisoning. It's Thursday, and that's the day WikiLeaks has tended to choose for its now regular weekly publication of the contents from Vault 7. RT, the news organization formerly known as Russia Today, has reported that Vault 7 opened on schedule. This time, the documents purport, as usual, to be descriptions of CIA hacking tools. Today's are said to describe AngelFire, a framework for loading and executing implants onto Windows XP or Windows 7 machines. This also continues a trend. Many of the recent documents WikiLeaks has released are represented as affecting older machines, running software which is beyond its end of life. How WikiLeaks gets its material remains publicly unknown. There have been some recent moves in the U.S. Congress to express its sense of what WikiLeaks is up to. The text of the resolution is, quote, It is the sense of Congress that WikiLeaks and the senior leadership of WikiLeaks resemble a non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors and should be treated as such a service by the United States. This, like sense of the Congress resolutions generally, is expressive, not prescriptive. Congress is upset with WikiLeaks and wants people, especially people working in the intelligence community, to know it. Protecting your organization's reputation online is of course important, but it can be challenging to predict when an online misstep or squabble can turn into a full-blown PR disaster. And of course online, things can happen really fast. The folks at Deloitte recently announced the acquisition of assets from a company called Blab, specifically their predictive social intelligence platform. Mike Kearney is a partner in Deloitte's Risk and Financial Advisory Group.
2: While organizations do a very good job managing risk. Uh, they often look at brand and reputation risks as more of an outcome, uh, so something that is really dependent on their existing risk management programs. And so, um, we we believe that it is a risk. And I think if you look at um, what CEOs and other executives talk about as being their most significant risk, they oftentimes focus on an event that could potentially impair uh, their reputation. And so, uh, with this Blab acquisition, we're we're excited about it because um, it allows us to begin to anticipate. Uh, potential issues, reputational events that may occur. Um, And so this could be anything from uh, a regulatory uh, issue, uh, competitive threat, um, a financial uh, reputational uh, impact, could be uh, innovation uh, from our competitors, it could be uh, a reputational damaging event from our employees, third parties, government. Uh, It really kind of goes across the spectrum.
1: So give us an idea, how does this predictive
2: technology work? The tool, like many other risk-sensing tools, ingests, I think, uh, 50,000 different data sources, uh, 100 million uh, pieces of data a day. But what really interested us and what was different about the tools that we were already using with in our firm and other vendors that we had worked on, the Blab team had developed an algorithm um, and had patented it, which allows them to predict low-signal noise, which could potentially be a reputational event. And that could be something that is extremely positive, something as an organization you want to amplify. It also could be a potential reputational event that would be something that you'd like to mitigate. The algorithms get smarter uh, because it's continuously looking at how well it did uh, to predict an event. And so now they're hovering around 80 uh, percent likelihood that when they predict something, and it's always within a 72-hour period of time, um, that uh, it's it's kind of always improving kind of the way that it, it looks at those uh, events. And so it's learning from itself so that it can improve predictability in the future.
1: That's Mike Kearney from Deloitte. In one of the ongoing cases against alleged U.S. intelligence community leakers, Former NSA contractor Reality Winner has asked that the court suppress their initial statements she made to investigators when they first came knocking. Those statements amounted to a confession, which she takes back, arguing that it was a confusing time and she lacked proper counsel. Reality Winner was apprehended after her alleged cover was inadvertently blown by her communications with The Intercept, the magazine that received the material she's said to have improperly removed from a secure facility. The Chinese and Cuban governments have little compunction about locking public discourse down fairly tightly, and foreign companies doing business in China are puzzling over how to navigate Beijing's latest round of internet controls. But in most other places, there's been a tension between dissuading people from extremism and safeguarding rights of free speech and expression. The discussion about how to do so has tended to concentrate on how best to manage censorship with those concerned about radicalization either opting for censorship cheerfully and enthusiastically or embracing some modified, limited hangout form as the lesser of two pretty bad evils. Consider, however, the role bots have come to play in information operations. Brian Krebs has noticed when he tweets something about Russian President Putin, he gets a lot of not-really-relevant Twitter traffic about U.S. President Trump. Social media are infested with bots, and information operations find them useful in magnifying opinion, pushing memes, and either influencing or intimidating those who don't share their views. Here's an interesting suggestion we've heard from former U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Cherdoff. Research into quick identification of bots could provide an opportunity to control at least this aspect of information operations. And bots not being natural persons wouldn't seem to enjoy the natural rights persons do. In patching news, a cross-site scripting flaw in the WooCommerce WordPress plugin has been fixed. Siemens Patches logo and patients with St. Jude Pacemakers are advised to see their doctor for a firmware update. You can add House of Cards to the list of television hacks alongside Game of Thrones, Some of the show's scripts and other production information have been compromised, but this appears to be inadvertent exposure as opposed to focused criminal attack. Insecure APIs trouble Instagram, with some high-profile accounts being compromised, and the U.S. Federal Communications Commission, where jokers probably dissatisfied with how net neutrality regulations are playing out, have installed Rick and Morty GIFs. We consulted our middle school desk about Rick and Morty. We're informed that the cartoon is okay, but that you have to have played Call of Duty to get the jokes. Words for all of us to live by, at least until school begins in Maryland next week. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows Joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis at Terbium Labs. Um, Emily, we have not spoken about the Alpha Bay situation. You were making sort of a running commentary while it was going down. You were one of the folks who did not think that the people running Alpha Bay were sort of running off with the money, and ultimately you were proven right. So fill us in. What do we need to know about this situation?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, the first reaction from users, at least, is always that a market has exit scammed, right? Because people are worried about their money. I didn't think it was an exit scam. Alpha Bay was a fairly sophisticated organization, despite what we know now about, you know, one of the admins, OPSEC. And I figured if they were going to close down and run off with money, they would do it a little bit less sloppily. And so I didn't know. I don't think any of us knew for sure what had happened, but I didn't think it was an exit scam. And now it turns out that not only was it a coordinated international takedown, but the Dutch police had been running Hansa for a month, and I don't think any of us saw that coming.
1: And Hansa is?
0: Hansa was one of the other main dark web markets. Actually, the interesting thing for me on Hansa is that after Alpha Bay first went down, Hansa ended up locking new user registration, claiming that it was putting too much of a strain on their systems that was causing technical difficulties. So an interesting way to run a honeypot, and I'm sure we'll see the reasons for that shake out at some point, publicly or privately.
1: Is the, the popular working hypothesis now that, uh, that the takeover of Hansa was done in preparation for the shutting down of Alpha Bay, that everyone would shift over there and it would be a honeypot?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Hansa and Dream, Dream is still up uh, that was, those were the two markets that people began to flock to really. And those were two of the larger remaining markets. Now dream is still up. Um, and then you have a few others who are kind of floating in that top space. Um, and a few others that are growing as people are starting to diversify.
1: And so what's the reaction of the people who use the dark web as part of their day-to-day lives?
0: I, I can give you a more narrow answer than people who are using the dark web as part of their day-to-day lives. Right. I can speak to the people who are operating on these markets. There are plenty of people who use Tor hidden services for a variety of other reasons that aren't impacted by the alphabet takedown. takedown. Sure. As you can imagine, a bunch of, at least for the drug community, a bunch of people find out that law enforcement has been operating a market they've been spending money on. People were scared. People were panicky. And then after a few minutes wanted to know when their orders would arrive. Uh, so people are beginning to move on to new markets. Vendors are setting up shop on new markets. The community is still reeling a little bit, but you know, you know, I described this as a as a hiccup, right? And that's what it is. The dark web markets continue to go on, but people are definitely keeping a, a wary eye out to the side. And there's even some talk of whether or not any of the remaining markets are also being controlled by law enforcement.
1: So does this sort of takedown have the effect that I think that that I suspect law enforcement would want it to have, which would be to make people hesitant to use these markets at all?
0: A little bit. And certainly by taking away two of the largest sources. I mean, Alphabay was so much larger than any of the markets we've ever seen before. Taking away that that source certainly disrupted the trade. We'll see now how other markets react to selling things like heroin or fentanyl, which really got a lot of attention. I mean, certainly in the uh, statement that, that Jeff Sessions came out and made about it. But people are moving on and markets are recruiting and vendors are moving. A lot of the conversation, honestly, at least in that part of the community, is about how to avoid being exposed if this happens in the future. And let's you know clean house and take a hard look at our personal security measures. So not necessarily the reaction they were hoping for, I think.
1: Hmm. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security, And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security experience your world secured visit zscaler.com zero trust ai